It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Got a loaded show today for you guys. Lomas Brown, former Lions offensive tackle, also won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. He's going to join us and talk about that Lions-Cowboys game, the Lions-Vikings game that we just saw, and then the Lions-Vikings game coming up this week. And with the Lions kind of let it go for the Vikings to get in the playoffs, we'll talk about that, all that and much more coming up on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I got my producer, Sam Extra, going to join me a little bit later. But I want everybody to know, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to get started. And I did it. I told you guys this before. I've done the $5 bet to get the bonus bet, and it worked. My uh, bet was the Nuggets would cover versus the Lakers, five and a half points. It got close at the end, so I understand how everybody feels, but it made every moment more. I was never dialed into two teams that I care nothing about than I was for that Lakers and Nuggets game. They end up winning, and then I went on and placed some decent bets here and there using that uh, when I visit Iowa because my in-laws live in Iowa. My daughter plays a lot of sports in Iowa. I get I get to go to Iowa a lot this year. I get to talk to Sam about that, but uh, as I bring my producer to the show, I want everybody to know we're going to talk about this, this Vikings and Packers game. We have to. Uh, the quarterback conundrum that it is. Um, and then also we have Lomas Brown joining us. So the offensive tackles for the Lions – uh, this week have been the talk of the town. Uh, all the tackles they have and the guards that love to come in and they have to report. There's videos. I've never seen offensive tackles being broken down more. So we'll talk about that with Lomas Brown. Uh, but Sam, Packers-Vikings, <laughs> I don't even know what we could say about that game. Besides the fact that for a little bit of it, it was a snooze fest. Uh, my my, I, I gave you guys, we always give you guys locks on Friday. So hopefully you guys tune in to the uh, round table on Fridays. We'll give you guys locks. I think everybody's lock just about hit. Uh, mine was punt, punt, punt on the opening drive of both teams. I was dead on. I knew the Vikings would do it because nothing against Jaron Hall. I just felt like they were going to do it. The, the, the Packers defense kind of had a, a statement uh, thought by this. Everybody was talking about the Vikings. And then as I started to look, I'm like, Packers are in the same situation as the Vikings. If they win, they're in the playoffs. And so I started looking at that. And, and also, if you think about all the games that had to happen before them, happened the way it should have. The Lions uh, lose to the Cowboys. Um, the the uh, Cardinals Seahawks. won. Yeah, the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. So you're like, we just need a Seahawks win because the Seahawks could have clinched with the Vikings tie uh, to Green Bay. The Vikings, like, well, nobody tied. The Packers won. But if the Vikings had won and the Seahawks lose, the Vikings are in. It's 7C. You're in. 
You're and you're going to play the two seed. So, you know, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I don't know if that's a present, but you're in the playoffs, you have a shot. And the Minnesota Vikings could not even do that. They couldn't close out the Packers. But Sam, it was just it was quarterback after quarterback. And then I'm like, can every quarterback just get hurt so we can see Josh Dobbs again? Like Jaron Hall came in, and I know uh, uh, Kevin Seifert for ESPN put some screenshots up, and I'm going to watch it back today, and I'm going to do my own little deep dive of plays. But there are some plays that everybody's saying receivers are wide open and Jaron Hall just has to make the throw. Maybe. But can we look at the pocket? Can we look at some other stuff? Um, but no, it was it was definitely like there was some, some missing pieces to Jaron Hall's defense. The Packers are a 3-4 defense, so that's a little bit harder to decipher sometimes for a young quarterback because it moves fast. You got three linemen for sure coming. You got one of the DNs coming, and then you always have one additional possible linebacker, whether it's the Mo or the Mike, that could be an additional blitzer every single time. And that's a lot. That's a lot for a young kid to have to figure out which five guys uh, are coming maybe it's a sixth guy coming there's a fifth guy coming that we didn't account for am i hot blah blah like it's a lot but you're getting paid a lot of money to do this you had 17 weeks plus three weeks of the preseason plus right after you got drafted to figure this all out and jaron hall just seemed overmatched by the packers um i gotta give my hats to uh you know tip my cap to the packers they earned it they're in the playoffs right now now all they have to do is win and they're in like they just have to win and they're in and lafleur uh, he, he remembers the feeling last year of losing to the Lions in the last game and not being able to go to the playoffs. So I know that stuck with him because I remember him talking about that. I know that stuck with him. We also remember Aaron Rodgers walking off the field with, um, what's his name, Randall Cobb. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's this is the last time. And Aaron said, no, he'll be back. Nope, this was the last time. And this was crazy, Sam. If Aaron Rodgers had stayed with the Packers, if Aaron Rodgers had not done this whole media tour with the with the with the the jets and i get it at the time with aaron Rodgers, maybe the jets weapons would have worked out but sam the packers and aaron Rodgers probably are an 11 win team if you think about some of the games that jordan love gave away with interceptions uh you think about some of the games you feel like he couldn't have finished even the throws now again i'm not knocking this even the throws to me sam some of those deep balls did not seem like great balls that just seemed like wide open uncovered guys by the vikings he was able to just throw it up like he's playing 707 mm-hmm. uh to me it did not i did not feel like these was now again tough throws guys in his face just throwing you know didn't feel like it though like it was like oh my goodness you see that throw it was just like high wobbly balls to wide open receivers but that's just me but at the end of the day brian flores didn't get to him enough uh, the defense didn't turn the ball over enough, and the Vikings turned it over too much and then couldn't generate drives. And it is what it is. They have a 3% chance of going into the playoffs right now, the playoff picture for the Vikings. The only way to get in, one, they have to win. So we'll talk about that. They have to beat uh, the, the Lions, and Lomas Brown is going to join us talk about that. But they also have to beat the Seahawks – or, sorry, the Seahawks need to lose, the mm-hmm. Packers need to lose, and the Buccaneers or the Saints need to lose. That's a lot. Like – just beat the Packers and then this game is a little bit you know more meaningful you have a better chance now even if you beat the Lions you got to sit back and hope every and it's a noon game so we can't like speculate and everybody's gonna be playing so you don't just you know it's you put yourself in this situation and we know that Jaron Hall again some of the open shallow routes some of the open dig routes take what the defense gives you it felt like he was trying to look for the big play it seemed like he was forcing his way to look for JJ it's not going to be JJ the Packers ran cover two man and they bracketed Justin Jefferson. I mean, you saw the highlights on NBC. They were running it over and over at the half. They were running it over and over. 
they were bracketing JJ on every drive just about that they knew mattered. And they were just playing that chess game of like, oh, they're not going to go to Justin Jefferson on first down. They're going to go to him on third and six. They're going to go to him on third and seven. And the Packers won that chess game, Sam. But what I don't know, quick before we uh, get to Lomas Brown, what are your thoughts on the uh, Packers game? Um, it was really disappointing to see all of the, the most important facets fail on the biggest stage. The offensive line, which has been so good this year, was porous. I don't think Brian O'Neill was 100%. I don't think that helped. The defense that we talked up for so long now has been pretty lackluster for three, two and a half weeks in a row. I'll say second half Bengals, Lions game, Packers game, um, quarterback. I mean, we had some good moments with the backups, but in the end, kind of the backup quarterback um, law of averages worked out. The success they had with Dobbs, it evened out here with uh, with Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall. So it's disappointing. Ron, I've got the the parlay the Vikings need on Sunday on FanDuel. So they need the, probably the Falcons to win. They need to win. Um, the Bears need to win, and the Cardinals need to win. So $10 wager gets you <laughs> – Four hundred seven dollars plus four oh seven two on a parlay. So that's the Vikings playoff parlay. We'll we'll mm-hmm. talk about that on Friday for sure. <laughs> Make sure that the FanDuel people and supporters and everybody that's rode along with us with FanDuel uh, that you understand the Vikings playoff parlay because that's what it's going to take. So you might as well put some money on it and have some fun. If the Vikings make the playoffs, your parlay hits. Uh, if the Vikings don't make the playoffs, you lost ten bucks. So at the end of the day, save yourself a coffee. And uh, put your money on the Vikings to make the playoffs, which means everybody that Sam just named has to win. But the Vikings in the first quarter on um, sorry, in the first quarter, 32nd in the NFL in turnovers, 4.4% of their plays on first down in the first quarter have been turnovers. That's ridiculous. Like, just hold on to the ball. Like, you've got to go back way back to the beginning of the season, Sam. Think about the uh, early play to Josh Oliver. Crowd goes wild. He fumbles. Early run to Alexander Madison. Crowd goes wild. He spins and fumbles. Strip sack, Kirk Cousins. Interception, Kirk Cousins. Interception, Kirk Cousins. Then you bring in Josh Dobbs. Interception. You bring in Nick Mullins. Fumble. It's like, what are y'all doing? And Kevin O'Connell, to me, I get it. Ball protection matters. He said that. But there's got to be something else to this. Like, you got to start tapping them pockets. Like, you got to tap those pockets a little bit. Be like, look, if you fumble, man, we're going we gonna to do a fumble jar or something. Put $1,000 in a fumble jar if you fumble. Uh, y'all make, what, $12,000 a game at the at the least? Probably 13000 after taxes? Man, put put $500 in this, in this fumble jar. We're going to give this to uh, Minnesota Children's Hospital or something. Like, we're going to give it to charity. But y'all got to and, – and then leave it in one of the rooms so they can see it every meeting. Like the jar just keeps growing. Like this is the turnovers we had all year. And then you show them that a dollar. Like if that doesn't affect them, if they're not worried about their pockets, if they're not worried about losing their position, they don't care about ball security. And it's shown through the season. Like they've had way too many turnovers. They are almost headed towards historical turnover numbers as an offense. And that's what's bad. But we got to get to Lomas Brown because, uh, you know, I, I've known Lomas for a while. My dad and him lived near each other. But, you know, playing the same era of football, Lomas – a little bit younger, though, than my dad, uh, but definitely came from the same era of football, the same uh, black and blue era of just, you know, hit, tackle, you know, men just, you know, being able to say whatever they want to each other. Now it's a flag. You say anything, it's a flag. Uh, but we'll do that after a word from our sponsors. 
All right, the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, and use the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is so easy, so many different ways to bet. Live same-game parlays, the Parlay Hub where you can build out your parlays, uh, the new Explore tab, you can find possible bets. There's so much more. Uh, the NFL playoffs right around the corner. So now is the time to visit FanDuel.com slash on. Make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Well, now we got the first round pick from the Florida Gators, 1985 draft to the Detroit Lions. Sixth overall, people. Offensive linemen, when they go sixth overall, you know they're serious. Sixth <laughs> overall pick, 1985 to 1995. So I was five years old to the when I was 15. <laughs> from the age of five to 15, I heard the name Lomas Brown wearing a Detroit uniform. Also, I heard the name because like Rick Mahorn. Uh, you know, yeah. Joe Dumars, uh, they would come over to our neighborhood because, uh, I mean, my dad played for the Steelers, so they must have known my dad somehow. So they, I've, I've seen that. I remember Rick Mahorn stole my bike. And so, <laughs> you know, and, and but I remember the name Lomas Brown, you know, Herman Moore. And then he went on to do something not a lot of people do because when I played for the Ravens, I was a rookie. This is how, this is how old Lomas was. <laughs> I was a rookie, 2002, draft pick to the Baltimore Ravens, and the Buccaneers walk into – the Raven Stadium. And I'm looking, I'm like, I, I've seen that guy before when I was in, like I was five and 15. <laughs> and this guy's with the Buccaneers, but then they win the Super Bowl. Uh, he gets to walk off to the sunset like many uh, guys, you know, Peyton Manning, Jerome Bettis, you know, got to win a Super Bowl in his last game in Detroit, actually, for Jerome Bettis. And we've talked to Jerome about that. So I love that story. Uh, but now we got Lomas Brown joining us on the Hanging Ron Johnson segment. Lomas, man, appreciate you joining me. Um, I want to jump out there right away, man. I've been teasing the fans about this. You played offensive line. Yeah. Have you ever? Did you ever have to report as an offensive tackle to get a pass? Actually, I did. I had to report when in my last year when I was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coach uh, Gruden had the play called Gator, and I, you know, of course, I'm a Florida Gator. I went to Florida, and he called it Gator, and I got to, I had to go in the game and check. And what I do, I went up to the ref, hey. 75, I'm eligible, and um, normally that works, but, man, that's that's a that's a bad subject here in, in the state of Michigan, man, and with every Lion fan. And and I get Dan Campbell, so this, I'm, I, I was with Tony Dungy and Indy, so I remember Tom Moore, and which Tom Moore, I, I love making Tom feel old because Tom was with the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers when I was born. <laughs> and so Tom would tell yes. me jokes about when I was born. I was 11 pounds when I was born. Uh, so Tom Moore would tell me jokes like every everybody in the locker room thought it was going to be an offensive lineman. 
Uh, when my dad told him he had an 11 pound son, they were like, oh yeah, he's definitely, <laughs> he's definitely gonna be a lineman. And uh, thank God, cause I was, I was a big baby all my life. I played running back all my life, like a big, I was, I was Jerome Bettis basically. Like when I met Jerome, there's pictures where I literally looked like a Jerome Bettis type. And then <laughs> by the great, by the grace of God, one year, 1994, I think, I grew six inches in one summer, and I ended up being six two. So mm-hmm. no more running back, no more linebacker. I went to receivers. <laughs> um, but when you when you think about that, when you when you talk about reporting and you look at offensive linemen, as as when I was with Dungy, I remember Tom Moore would have these plays, and it was always about the defense's eyes. Like, how can we make the defense's eyes look someplace that really they it doesn't matter? Look over here, look over here, because the plays over here, or, or Peyton motion over here switch over here, shift over here, they're going to forget about this guy. You see three offensive linemen walk up to the ref or come towards mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I never understood why Penn A. Sewell was over there. That that to me didn't make sense. I get I get um, 68, I get him going over there doing it, but I never understood why 58 went there and then why 70 kind of ran towards them too. Like all of that to me was a little confusing, even if I'm a ref. Now, again, it's the ref's fault. He didn't look at 68. Clearly, 68 is trying to get his attention to say something. He goes up. But then over the microphone, you hear him say 70. 70. And so at no point, I don't think maybe Jared Goff didn't notice it. Maybe the, the Lions didn't even notice it. I don't know if you guys could hear it in the booth. Um, But when that all went down, like you as a, as a commentator, because I know you do the radio uh, play-by-play for the Lions, um, what, like what was going through your mind First touchdown, great, and then, oh, wait, there's a penalty. What was going through yeah. your mind? Yeah, well, first, Ron, you talked about a great man and Tom Moore. You know, he <laughs> was here in Detroit with me. So I was fortunate oh, enough to be up under Tom Moore, man, and that was the best years we had in Detroit when Tom Moore was our offensive coordinator. So just a great man, love him to death, man, really do. And, you know, going back to the play, you know, again, you're right. We were using deception um, going throughout that. That was part of, I guess, part of the game, the plan. And I know from earlier and throughout that whole game, number 70, Dan Skipper, had been checking in. And mm. as you know, man, when you play in the game and the refs, they're almost like us a little bit with the running and having to be in condition in their mind and thinking about a lot of things. You know, as it get towards the end of the game, certain things may slip, you know, and yeah. I think they were going to use the same thing. The Lions were thinking the same things with the referee. Again, you know, it was a play that Dan Campbell uh, went over with the referees before that, and I'm I'm thinking that he must have – had 58 Panay Sewell involved in that play too then. I don't know. It hadn't been talked about because, like I said, that's a very sore subject around here. Maybe Coach expound on it a little bit more to know if Panay was part of that system. But I think they were just trying to to use that as part of, like I say, the deception because Dan Skipper all game long, and we went to that formation so much uh, earlier in that game, too, I think they just thought that the refs would have retention of that. But Teller clearly went over there. He clearly said he went over there, announced himself to the referee, 
I didn't hear it through in the booth either. So I missed it. I didn't hear them say 70. So I missed it myself. But again, I think I was kind of called up too, like everybody else and just assuming that it might be Dan Skipper that was, um, you know, checking in. Yeah. It's so huge, Ron. So huge, man. If you think about what that's done to us, you know, basically locked us into the three C where we had a possibility of still being able to get the number one C, right. You know, so it, it, that's just huge. And you know what a lot of people don't look at, it changes the economics of Detroit too, from us possibly hosting another playoff game here to now that playoff game possibly being on the road. So you take millions of dollars or at least hundreds of thousands of dollars out of the Detroit economy too. So man, it's just a they the I don't think the NFL realizes what a trickling effect that has off one call that was made that was clearly incorrect. And I think it's something that they're going to have to do. So you know what, Ron? We don't came up with the catch. Remember, that was Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That rule came in because of him. Uh, till this day, we go back a few years when we had a playoff game in Dallas and they picked up the flag. They never explained us to. Now I guess we're going to have another rule where I guess only one offensive lineman will be able to approach the referee and declare themselves as eligible. I'm telling you, it's going to come this offseason. Yeah, no, it makes sense because that's that's what the refs were trying to say. They were saying there was a lot of linemen that coming at him, and so he saw 58, he saw 70 run at him. He never saw the guy in the middle, which was 68, who was actually doing the motion. Um, and, and again, like I, I agree with a lot of people, like Ryan Clark said it too, like Pene Sewell was a guard in that situation because he's covered up so why is he why would it matter for him to report it doesn't he's not eligible anyway because he's covered and then you look at um the time time it stopped so you have time because this is after a score so time stops you have a lot of time to say hold up let's get this right who's all reporting who who's in the game like you don't need to rush through this tv is is there's no time on tv on saturday so you have time to like go through this because next thing up was ESPN's uh you know breakdown and all this other stuff and all the post-game shows so they can wait because overtime if overtime comes the TV copies have already paid and, and they're prepared for that they prepare for that extra 15 20 minutes so they have time so there's no reason they should have rushed through that I agree I never thought about that as well like the hosting two playoff games hosting maybe the NFC <laughs> championship game uh in Detroit because again my mom still lives downtown Detroit right across the street from King High School over mm-hmm. you know like we're not too far from the stadium so I, my sister same thing she lives down there as well and so I hear her talking about that about all the stuff down there because she she moved into my dad's old house uh when he passed away so she talks about that um of like all the stuff downtown and everything yep. going on and so yeah so I, I definitely agree with that because that 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 one to me is a little bit like well did it did it matter um is it is it the lion's fault that the refs got it wrong like could the refs have gone to the video to see everybody over there like if he does the hand motion then you say you know what he did report we didn't say it but i don't know whose fault that is because now the cowboys can say well look you never told us so i get both sides of it but but you're right that that takes a lot from detroit detroit felt like a cinderella moment for the world like coming from where they've been over the years and now going this deep into the playoffs winning this you know as a vikings i mean like i said i work for the vikings i do their stuff but I understand that, you know, like when 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 a team is better, they're just better. 
And I yeah. was man enough to say yeah. that. I said that before the season. I thought the Lions were going to be really good. I thought I knew they were going to be better than the Packers. I knew they were going to be better than the Bears. I just assumed Kirk Cousins would be healthy and it'd be the Lions, Vikings down to the wire for this game. And so now, like you said, you guys are locked into the three seed. Right. And Ron, let me just say this real yeah. fast. This is what I this is the other thing I don't understand. Why in the world are in our referees full time? I I just don't yeah, understand yeah. that. It, it makes no sense. These guys referee multi-million dollar athletes and they referee a multi-billion dollar industry and they're not full time. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And then you have stuff like this that happens. Then you get the conspiracy theories in there because, you know, once conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theory that came out is, well, you know, uh, you can't lose on Jimmy Johnson going in the ring of induction. The Dallas Cowboys couldn't lose on that night. You know, that's conspiracy theory. Then you got the commissioner sitting in Jerry Jones' box. Man, all kind of stuff come out of that thing, man. I just don't understand why refs not full-time. I don't understand it. I didn't even think about it. I didn't know all that. So you guys were there. So you saw that. Yeah, stuff. man. I'm telling you, man. The ring of honor, man. Jimmy Johnson. He was great, too, man. His speech was oh. great. They had Emmett. They had Troy. They had all of them back, man, for that and stuff. And so, again, his name going up there. Man, you can't lose on that night. And like I say, the commissioner being there. And, yeah, man, this is all kind of stuff back here. I was going to say that. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm into conspiracies, but I have, you know, heard some stories of refs taking <laughs> stuff personal, uh, maybe not calling the call they should call because the last play of the game, when you think about the Hail Marys or you think about the pass interference, the Vikings have been a part of some of that stuff when you talk about yep. New Orleans and, and New Orleans in 2009 coming back from uh, Hurricane Katrina. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, well, why is New Orleans getting all these calls? And Drew Brees, you know, talking about the city needed this and they, you know, and Ben Lieber, he's he does the sideline reporting for the Vikings. He's chasing the linebacker down the field. Tight end just falls. Or sorry, linebacker chasing the tight end. Tight end falls. They call pass interference. And I think mm -hmm. the Lions Cowboys was something similar. Yeah, that's when they picked up the flag. Yeah, they did it. We they, were a playoff game. Um, <laughs> and they picked the flag up and never it was on Brandon Pettigrew, pure pass interference. But for some reason, they went and picked that flag up, and they never, to this day, they never explained that, man. You got so many things with the Lions. <laughs> like I say, the catch, that's now the kid. You got to go through the process now because of Calvin Johnson. And then there was even something in Seattle we had with touching the back line of the goal line. Man, it's just been so many bad things. You feel cursed after a while, especially when – they continue to happen to your team, and it doesn't seem to get any better. You know, it really doesn't. And I don't know, like I say, what's going to be done. Something has to be done like this because it's, it's so much, like I say, that was at stake for that game, that was riding on that game, that impacted, you know, both our city, impacted Dallas and impacted us, but impacted us more in a negative way than in a positive way. Well, I got two quick ones for, or not quick ones, but I got two for you. One, um, because he's, he, I love, I love messing with him, but I got to, I got to get your take on this because Ryan Clark's gonna have a, a ball with this. I don't know if you remember this or seen this, but in Minnesota, because it happened in Minnesota, Darren Orlovsky runs out the back of the end zone, has no idea <laughs> where the back of the end zone is, 
what what was what was kind of your thoughts or what did you say or what was going on through your mind when you saw that when he got a safety and had no clue how like he was already in man the like i i as a detroit and you know again i do radio for detroit and i've been watching detroit i bleed honolulu blue and silver i just couldn't believe what i was watching man and the thing about it like he was sprinting. He was sprinting out of bounds, man, on the back line. It, it wasn't like, you know, Dan had made that mistake and knew he made that mistake. He was hauling tail, running. Now, I knew Jared, uh, what's Jared Allen? Or yeah, Jared was, Allen. Yeah, yep. Jared yeah I knew Jared was after him, man, but my goodness, man, he was just, <laughs> you know, the, it, it's just kind of funny because you hear him talk now on TV and man, you listen to Dan and you be like, man, this dude was awesome right here. And then you just see something like that. And you'd be like, wait a minute, man. <laughs> he wasn't that aware back then. Because you hear some of these things he say on TV and how he talks about the game and all these intricacies and all these little breakdowns. And every breakdown has a name to it. Every route has a name to it. Everything has a name to it now. And just to see him do that. And of course, a Detroit Lion. So. <laughs> Another good moment, though. 1989, you guys draft Barry Sanders. Uh, you get out there with him. You're the offensive tackle, of course. Uh, how did how did the offense change over that like three to four years when Barry started? Because again, I wore number 20. Because I remember, I think, yeah, 1990. Uh, when I was about 10 years old, I started playing running back. And I was like, man, I got to have number 20. So I wore 20 all the way to high school. And then I couldn't get 20. I actually wanted 20 in high school. But a guy by the name of Deion Hunt went on to play at Hampton. Uh, I think he got he went to camp with, like, the Bears, but he didn't make it. But this dude was, like, a 6'3", 240-pound middle linebacker in high school. Like, we thought he was on steroids. Uh, so there was no way I was getting 20 <laughs> from him. So I was like, give me 21 then. Give me the closest thing to it. And then, of course, then Deion Sanders, you know, started getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. I was fine with 21. Uh, but when you look at number 20 for the Lions, and, I mean, everybody, like I was a kid in Detroit, every time we played pick them up, uh, mess them up, or football outside with our friends, it was always, man, I'm Barry Sanders. Or I'm. <laughs> what was it like, like blocking for him? Because, like, even in the run scheme sometimes, you can't let your block go because you don't know when he's going to pop out. Yeah, so – to your point, Ron, I got here in 85. We got Barry in 89. The Lions weren't nothing. They We we weren't on Monday Night TV. You know, we weren't even on – I don't even know if we was on the semi-regional games. Now, I don't know even know if we had any of those. But when Barry got here in 89, man, we were on Monday night. We were prime time. No, I take that back. The only prime time game we had from 85 – when I was here to 89 was the Thanksgiving day game. Right, I take yep. that back because we, that's the tradition here in Detroit. So I take that back. That's what we had. But when Barry got here, that's when the nation came here and that's when we got everything. And so he drew the eyes of the nation here. Like you say, everybody wanted to be B, but man, I'm telling you, you quickly learn that, you better stay on your blocks. You didn't want to be responsible <clears throat> for being the guy that got Barry tackled. And that made that made front side, I'm sorry, that made your backside 
become like the front side. You had to block the backside like you were blocking the front side of the play because, like you say, Barry would cut it all the way back, man. Like you say, you ain't no way you'd be at. You don't, you think you're the backside tackle and you turn around and be behind you. So, you know, so you like I said, it made you stay on your blocks. And you know how them coaches used to always say, stay on your block to the whistle. Yeah, That was never more true than when you put block for B. Because you had to stay on till you heard the whistle. Because again, you just never know what B gonna create, what he gonna do, who he gonna tell, who ACLs he gonna tell, <laughs> where he gonna jump cut to, where he gonna you know spin move to. Man, he just had everything in this repertoire. And the thing about it, a lot of people ask me, yeah, man, man, you must have enjoyed watching him. I was like, the best part for and the Kevin Glover. Great center for us, all pro, my best friend. He'll testify to this. The best part was on Mondays watching film, as you know, yeah. because that's when you could see everything and run. I promise you, every film session, it would be at least five times in that film session, you'd be like, oh, my goodness, how did he do that? <laughs> What in the world? I mean, and Ron, it may not be a bit, it may be a two yard loss, yeah, but it's gonna be the greatest two yard <laughs> loss you ever seen, man. It wasn't the big runs, so you will go to YouTube and you'll see all his great runs. I'm telling you, some of his one yard, two yard loss run, runs were some of the best runs you would ever see from B, man. And the other thing, just a humble guy. Just a great, great person, man. That's why you want to go out there and make sure he had success because just how good a person he was. You know what I'm saying? Be yeah. just and it's still the same way, man. So it, it it just made it even that much more special for myself, Kevin Glover. Like I say, to go out there and want to make sure he got his yardage. And believe me, if he would have stayed in the game, man, it's no way. You know, Emmett would be number one right now. We already know that, man, because B would have shattered that record, Walter Payton's record. And so, but congratulations to Emmett, my frat brother. You know, I have to give him his props. I'm about to say, and as you get as you get older and you think about like the Eric Dickerson record, do you think a Barry Sanders probably eventually would have gotten two thousand yards? Oh yeah. I mean, again, he got it in uh, '97. He got two thousand. But we had an opportunity. My last year with the Lions was 95. We had an opportunity in 93 to get him 1,000 yards. That was against the Dolphins. It was on Christmas Day. We needed 150 yards going into that game to get it to us. Believe me, man. Bro, I think we seen an eight-man box the whole game, man. They had eight, nine-man up in the box, man. They refused <laughs> to let Barry get that 150 yards against them. So we came close that year. And, of course, he got it later on in his career. But I know B could have did it again. I know he could have did it again because of how this league became a passing league and spread itself out. That's just, that would have been perfect for Barry. And the one thing we didn't utilize Barry enough of us in the passing game. Barry could catch. B could catch. But we didn't use him enough in the passing game. And, and just like putting him out in space, if he was around today, 
how these offenses are oh my goodness yeah no that is true because i've been I, I thought about that when i started looking at the eric diggerson and, and because jamal lewis uh, I think my second or third year, Jamal Lewis almost broke it. I think we got him to like 2096. So he was mm -hmm. close to that 2105, yep. but they just couldn't get over the hump. Um, so, yeah, it, and, it, and everybody keeps chasing. Everybody keeps chasing. I thought about it. I'm like, now we got 17 games. Uh, yeah, you know, right, you right. put Barry Sanders. I think you guys were at 14 games back then, and then eventually no, went. always 16. We've been oh, you were 16? 16. Okay, yeah, so 14 was maybe 14 was my dad's yeah, era, like yeah, 78. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it was, but it's amazing how that one more game, man. Like they said, I seen the stat where they said just adding that one more game is going to decrease the players. You know, longevity, their yeah. their playing line. Just add one more game. But we know, we know how brutal that game is. And it's all about the accumulation. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's all about I just a quick story on that. When I played when I went to my first Super Bowl with the Giants in 2000, when we lost against Ray Lewis, that's when he won his first Super Bowl. I was yep. on the Giants team. And I remember we lost that game in February. We had to go back for off-season lifting started in the end of March. And then, of course, you know you roll into uh, OTAs yep. and mini camps and all that. So came back around, man, when the season started in, in, in uh, September, I was still sore from the Super Bowl, still yep. sore going into another season. So that's why I tell people it's all about the cumulative hits that your body takes where it starts wearing your body out and everything. And I, I felt it. I really felt it that year. Yeah, and then when we talk about the Lions, you got the Lions playing the Vikings. Uh, not so meaningful because the Lions are locked into the three seed, meaningful for the yeah. Vikings, but they still need a ton of work. We know Dan Campbell sent the Packers packing last year when they had a playoff opportunity. Do you think Dan Campbell wants to close the door on the Viking season, or do you think he wants to go into it to the playoffs healthy, knowing they have to play the first round potentially against the Rams? Well, that they asked him about that, and I think Dan's answer was right now he's playing the guys. You know, okay. he say something may change, but say he's saying right now he's playing guys. And I kind of agree with that because we're still a young team. Don't forget, man, we're a young team. You know, Jared's, I think Jared might be the only one. Maybe I'm missing somebody that might be the only one that's been to a Super Bowl. No, I'm sorry, C.J. Gardner. So you only have a hand, maybe one or two guys that's been to a Super Bowl. You got a lot of first, second, third-year guard guys that are starting on this team that are impactful players that doesn't know what they're getting ready to get into when you start talking playoff football. So I think the more football these guys could play, the more experience they could get, I think it's going to bode well for them. Because, Ron, we know, man, you could get injured anytime. True. I mean, you know True. what I'm saying? And it doesn't have to be on the football field either. So, you know what I'm saying? I, my thing is to play the guys, keep the rhythm going, keep the chemistry going. Plus, we got guys like C.J. Gardner who got hurt in the second game of the season. So he hadn't played, and he's a big integral part of our team, even though he hadn't played, that he's going to need some playing time to get up to speed. Because, you know, you don't just jump into no NFL season and be like, boom, especially the end of the NFL season when you get ready to go in the playoffs and you hadn't played all year long. So, you know, I think we need to continue to do that. We, we need work in different areas. So, yeah, 
play these guys and play it like a divisional game. I'm talking about go out and try to put it on the Vikings. I ain't talking about going out <laughs> and being easy or not showing some plays because you want to hold these plays back. I'm talking about going out and putting them on the Vikings, setting the stage, setting the standard for what we want to be, how we want people to look at us when we or when they come into Ford Field for that first playoff game. Yeah, well, and then the first playoff game, most likely, like I said, will be the Rams. Uh, Matthew Stafford walking back into the building. Do you think the fans are going to cheer, or do you think it's going to be some awkwardness, or do you think it'll just be a normal playoff game? Man, and you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you one word what that's going to be. It's going to be epic. It's going to be epic, my brother. Matthew walking back up in that thing, because Matthew is still beloved here. Even though he, he didn't get us to the promised land, 12 years, he did a lot of things here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And especially in the community. That's where, you know what I'm saying, where he's going to get his love from because of what him and his wife did and the Kelly did in the community back here and what they continue to do in the community, which I take my hat off to Matthew. He went and got his ring. Now, you better believe he going to come in here like an assassin, bro. If I'm Matthew, you know he coming in here wanting to take us down and do everything he can. And you know the rest of them boys, they, they going to be coming in. Yeah, man, we got to do this for Matthew. So I definitely don't want to see them. I don't. <laughs> I'd rather see Green Bay than to see Matthew Stafford come here because the NFL going to have all the storylines they need. Oh, yeah. Eric Goff being outcasted by, you know, by the Rams and Matthew coming back and just everything, man. It's, that's what the NFL want. I don't want that. I want to get Green Bay so we can get, get after Jordan Love, but you just never know how it's going to work out, Ron. Yeah, well, that's Lomas Brown. I'm Ron Johnson. This has been the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment on the Ron Johnson Show. Coming up next, we got the Daily Three. That's three questions. We can take about a minute each today, and we'll do that after a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Well, man, it's good to get Lomas Brown in here. A lot of Detroit Vikings content. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. But I want everybody to know, check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube following every Twins, Wild, Vikings, and Wolves game. Our team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On, Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. Also, Sirius XM. Just download the SXM app by searching SXM on the app market, whatever app market you use, please search that. Download the SiriusXM app, and you can get all of the locked-on content right there on your phone, at the gym, in the car, on the go. SiriusXM, proud partner partner of Locked On Sports Minnesota. All right, Sam, it's time for the Daily Three. It's three questions. Take about a minute each today. Take it away. All right, Ron. Are you concerned about Brian Flores and his defense now with a three-ish kind of rough games in a row? Do you feel like this defense has been solved by the league? Yeah, I do. I do. And, and not so much solved. I just think teams know now, like, it's the blitz rate. So, hey, when they come, just know 
you have an extra second. You're going to take a hit because you watch Jordan Love. He took a hit on every deep ball he threw. He got hit by the arm or hit in the body, but he's willing to just throw it up there knowing they only have four guys covering probably back there. They only have two deep safeties back there. So one of our guys is going to come open. You just have to find the guy. I, I did a play breakdown of Jordan Love on the pregame show. I showed three plays of good love. I showed three plays of bad love. The bad love was those same throws he threw against the Vikings. He does that. He throws it deep. He throws it up. The Saints stayed back. The Giants stayed back. The Vikings did not. That's the only difference. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, do they miss Brian or Byron Murphy? Like, it seems like Maybe. the, corner, the quarterback Maybe. play got substantially worse the past couple of weeks. The Caleb Evans got super exposed. I thought he's had a good year, but the last couple of weeks have left a bad impression. But they got to bolster the talent. They got to get more talent. Maybe they want to go get Jair Alexander. Maybe Jair Alexander needs to Might be available. <laughs> yeah. Will he be a captain, though? That's the question. <laughs> what you got next? Uh, yeah, so someone who doesn't have an interception in Brian Flores' defense, Harrison Smith. I don't Which think that crazy. means he's had a bad year. He just doesn't have an interception. But at his age, 12 years into his career, do you think next Sunday could be his final game as a Viking or maybe even as an NFL player? So on the sideline Sunday before the game, um, weird you even bring him up because I was walking down the sideline. He's coming by. He kind of gives me the wink. He kind of hits me on the shoulder and then pats me on the butt. I should have asked him then. I should have been like, hey, is this your last? Like, are you done, man? Give me, let me, let me be the Adam Schefter to this. Let like don't send me the prince emoji. Like, let me, let me do it. Let me say Harrison <laughs> Smith is gonna walk away after this. His wife is pregnant. They're gonna have two under the age of two. Um, maybe, you know, maybe it's time. He's played a long time, but I don't know. Like, I don't know, man. There's the thing in this season. This has probably been one of his healthiest where we haven't heard about Harrison Smith's shoulder or Harrison Smith's leg or Harrison. Like he hasn't been asked to get in the box because Josh Metellus is doing that. He hasn't been asked to come up and, and worry about tight ends. That's been the Cam Bynum role. He's been able to literally just play on the back end and be the protector back there on the back, breaking up passes every once in a while. So I, I, I could see him coming. I mean, and that's and I think it, it, it relies on Brian Flores. If Brian Flores stays, I could see him staying because he's like, look, I, I can like really just be a captain back here. I don't have to be the guy blowing up the running backs and, and blitzing the quarterback. He's got two other safeties to do that. I don't have to do that. So I can see him coming back because he's healthy. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think they could make it work contractually. He is under contract. He's not a free agent. Um, they could restructure something. And I think he was willing to take a pay cut this past year. Mm -hmm. Do it again. Take a little pay cut next year. If he wants to hang around in Minnesota and be, be part of this group. I think I think it makes sense. I think he still has enough in the tank. So maybe it's his choice to step away, but I don't think it's because the team doesn't want him or because they can't afford him. All right, what's the last one? Last one, Wolves-Knicks. Uh, Wolves are in a little bit of a lull right now. Feels like they're not playing their best basketball. They lose at Madison Square Garden 112-106. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is the thing, man. When you start off that hot, you win that many games. This is, this is the best part about it. I've always said this, and you know this. I've said this about football, but basketball is where you really see it. This is like a report card. When you start off the season or the school year, great, and you have an A-plus average across all your classes. Towards the wintertime, when it's cold and you're tired and you're kind of like mentally struggling, you can slip a little bit and still end up with a B-plus, and you're still passing all your classes. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just where the Timberwolves are heading. They're still an A-minus right now. They still – but and, and so they know like that loss to the Knicks – 
is not that big of a deal. It's not like detrimental to them because they're still number one in the West. They still, you know, they didn't get blown out. That was the other thing. They lost by six. So that's the other key too is how do you lose? If they got blown out, I think then you guys might wonder. They were right there with them. I mean, Anthony, uh, Carl Anthony Towns gave you 29. Rudy Gobert gave you 10. Anthony Edwards gave you 35. So your bigs did everything. The big difference, and we've talked about this, the big difference in that game, Sam, you look at the game before. You had Nas Reed gave you a big game. You've had Jaden Daniels give you a big – you had Mike Conley give you a big game in those stretches. They didn't have a big game from the bench. It was all kind of blah from the rest of the guys. Nobody else hit double digits besides the big three. That's the difference. You get double digits from one of these guys, you probably go down to the, at the, to the end maybe, 111, 112, and then you have a chance to maybe win. That's the difference. If they can find some, some production from their fourth guy, anybody though, it doesn't have to be a spec because we know it could be Jay McDaniels, it could be Mike Conley, or it could be Nasri, or even Nah. Nikhil Alexander-Walker's done it too. If one of those guys can get into double digits with these guys, look at all the numbers, five, five, six, eight. If one of those guys gets them into double digits, it's a different story, and I think that's the big difference. So no, I'm not worried. Timberwolves are third worst in the league in turnovers per game. Got to get better in, at that. Take care of the ball. That's what's holding him back right now. Take yep. care of the ball. And with a point guard like Mike Connolly, who does take care of the ball, you shouldn't have other guys throwing it away. That's true. That's true. Well, that'll do it for us today. We want to thank Lomas Brown for joining us. And make sure you guys find Locked On Sports Minnesota 24-7 on our YouTube live stream for your favorite Minnesota sports shows around the clock. It's Vikings, Wild Wolves, Twins, and Gophers at all hours of the day. I want to thank you guys. Have a great week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.